How's everybody tonight? Great. Good to see you. For those of you that I can't see, we're glad you're here too. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. Huh? Oh, yeah. This is my first time in the year, to, my one time of the year to wear a white shirt. <laughs> yeah, I don't usually wear white shirts. Okay, enough about the shirt. All right. <laughs> uh, well, let's bless the Lord. Father, we bless you and praise you, Father. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Wonderful Lord and Savior, glorious King, majestic one, overcome and defeated all of our foes, all of our enemies, that we can put them under our feet. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you paralyzed them and brought them to naught, made an open show of them publicly. Show that they are defeated, that you are the victor, that we are in you and we're in your victory. And we get to walk in your victory and we have the authority to walk in your victory. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you are, for all that you do, for all that you've done and all that you plan on doing, which is good, perfect and acceptable. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we just come before you to sit at your feet, to hear your word being taught of your Holy Spirit. That we open our hearts right now. We turn away from the distractions of the day, the plans of tomorrow, and we open up our heart to hear from heaven. That we would receive impartations of revelation into our spirit. That we'll be able to take hold of these things, apply them into our life, and that our lives will continually be changed from faith to faith, from glory to glory, line upon line, and precept upon precept. Lord, we thank you for these things and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Well, wasn't the meetings with Terry and Renee wonderful? They were great meetings. Every year that they come, they always share some wonderful, wonderful things. I listened to the, the CD today on the supernatural. Really, really good. Amen. 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 You know, some of the things that they had talked about was the corporate anointing the importance of recognizing the calling and the anointing, reverence and honor in the sanctuary. What a big one that was because there's so much that's lost about the sanctuary. You know, I remember when we were building the building and they came in when we had stage lights up here and the sound people came in to set up the sound and to set up the stage lights and all and they'd walk in the room and, you know, sound people, they're noise conscious and all that. And they walk in the room and they go, it is too quiet in this room I mean it was like just perfectly still it's the presence of God you know and that's why we reverence the sanctuary because it's the presence of God isn't that right amen and and we reverence at all times it's not oh service started now we reverence no it's all the time because the presence of God is here you know we had two major hurricanes come through here and the sanctuary was never touched in either, either of the hurricanes. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. But I'll never forget that. These guys that were not Christians, not churchgoers at least, not, you know, anything that I know of that has to do with the Lord. And they recognized just how quiet it was in the room. So if they could recognize it, I think the church ought to recognize it. And we can reverence in the anointing. Amen. Amen. It talked about living for God with a whole glad heart. And the fire of the Holy Spirit continued to burn on the inside of us. And you know the famous thing that Terry always talks about, God is a good checker player. He knows how to play checkers. He knows how to sit back and wait for his move. He'll move and then he'll wait. And he'll tell us what move to make. If we don't make a move, he'll just sit and wait. He'll wait forever. You know, he's got it forever. You know, to wait. But he's a good checker player and he does not move out of turn. And of course, living to give, Ecclesiastes 7 and, uh, and 8, verse 8, about giving to 7 and to 8, you know, because stuff goes on out there and we need a harvest in every single place, don't we? 
Amen. The more we give, the greater the harvest for whatever is coming up. That's what the harvest is about, whatever's coming up. You know, it's not just what you want. It's for what's coming up, the things you don't know about. We need harvest for what's coming up. You know, so when harvest comes in, don't go, oh, good, I got money to go spend. No, what's it for? You got to find out what it's for. Amen. This was a good one. This is what the Lord spoke to me when Terry was talking about all of this stuff. And this is what came up in me. God knows more about money than we do. And heaven don't even run on money. But yet he knows more about it than we do. Amen. He supplies seed to the sower. I love that where we talked about the couple that was believing to give $100,000. And they prayed over the check they, until they uh, uh, could date it. And sign it when the seed was finally provided. And you know what's so great about that is they did not write a faith check. You know what a faith check is? Fraud. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. But they did it the right way. They believed God and when the funds were there. And so that means that when money came in, they knew what had to get put on the side for what they were believing God for. Not everything that came in was spendable. But it was all usable, but at the right time. Amen. Yeah. All right, let's go over to 3 John 2, since Terry talked about 3 John 2. Chapter 1, verse 2. It's only one chapter. So it's the book of 3 John, second verse. You all know this verse. It says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. You know, above all, in all respects, King James says, above all things, that you would prosper and be in good health. And those are the two things that God talks about all through the Bible. And he talks more about that than he does even about salvation. You know why? Because prosperity and good health is included in salvation. You know, a lot of people think salvation is, oh, just go to heaven. No, that's not just, that's only the beginning. Salvation is about living in prosperity and being in good health. And prosperity is not just and only money. It's every area of our life. Isn't that right? Amen. Prosperity, prospering in peace, you know, having an abundance of peace, having an abundance of wisdom, having an abundance of answers, direction, what to do in situations. Amen. That's prospering. Glory to God. And a lot of times when you have the wisdom and know what to do, you don't need the money. Not everything needs money. But what he talked about in verse 5 uh, and then in verse 8, it says, Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. All right, so prospering and being in good health so that we can work together, so that we can give, we can help out the brethren, help out strangers. So God wants you to prosper and be in good health because he wants you to touch other people. That's what it's about. See, and growing up in Jesus doesn't really happen until we start believing God for things for other people. When we get our eyes off of ourselves. Now, I understand that there's times and we're in situations and I've been in situations where I am giving because I need. You know, but the time comes when you have to give because you you're giving because you want to give to others. You want to receive a harvest, but you're looking to give to others. Isn't that right? Amen. And that's what growing up in Jesus is all about. Amen. So first Corinthians chapter four. Verse 18. No, I'm sorry. It must be 2 Corinthians. Yeah, it is. It would be 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. Okay. And, you know, Terry talked about that, and he talked about how we live in two worlds. There are two worlds, and we actually live in both of them, don't we? Uh, we don't recognize that a lot of times because we're so wrapped up in what we can see in our five senses. But there are two worlds, and one of the worlds are seen, and the other world is unseen. 
One world is temporal, the other world is eternal. One world is perishable things, because all things will pass away. The other world is imperishable. Amen. So therefore, if everything that you see is perishable, then it's not the real world. The real world is the imperishable, the one that will never pass away, the eternal. And that has to become more real to us than the temporal. What I don't see, what my faith says, what I know in my heart, not what I see, not what I feel, but what I know in my heart and what I see in the Word has become more real than what I can touch, what I can taste, what I can see, what my five senses tell me. The unseen world has to become more real. And it'll never become more real unless you spend your time with it. And like he said, the eternal realm is not far away. It's right here. You know, where is the kingdom of heaven? And theologically, we know that. But we, do we know that in the reality of life? Do I know that in dealing with situations and issues? And do I know that everything that God has for me is in me? The kingdom of heaven is in me. The Holy Spirit, he said, is with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God, who brought all of creation into existence, lives in you. And every miracle and everything that we need and everything that we believe God and what our faith receives comes out from that eternal realm. You know, when that woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus' garment, there was no healing in that garment. Right. But healing flowed into her body, and where did it come from? It came from that eternal realm. And how did she attach to that eternal realm? Faith. Amen. Glory to God. So, whenever you ask yourself, how did this happen? God has to be the answer. If you can remake or redo or... Uh, 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 a re, uh, what is it? Replicate, thank you. If you can replicate something, then it's not a miracle. But you can't replicate what God does. You can't. Amen. So if you can replicate it, it's not a miracle. Intensified tide is not a miracle. The whitening properties of crest pro health is not a miracle <laughs> toothpaste so if you can remake it it's not a miracle when we're believing God for something for a miracle you got to do something you cannot do amen now that doesn't mean do something stupid you know we can do a lot of stupid things that we can't do and it hurts us but when you're believing God for a miracle and faith comes alive in you, you can do something you cannot do. Every time Jesus was going to heal somebody, 90% of the times he'd ask them to do something they can't do. He'd ask the person with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. The person uh, in palsy on the bed, get up, pick up your bed and walk. The person at uh, uh, Solomon's portico, you know, he gets healed and he says to pick up your bed and walk. And, and go, you know. So he's always telling people to do things that they can't do. And they have to make a decision on whether they're going to say, I can do that and I will do that. Or they're going to say, what's wrong with you? Don't you know I can't do that? If you'd heal me, I'd be able to do it. And they would never get healed. It's time to start expecting and setting our faith on miracles. We know that miracles operate as God wills, but you can set your faith on these things. It comes out from the eternal world. It is not only a want or a wish. Setting your faith and having expectation of miracles is not a want, nor is it a wish. You must hear it, you must study it, and you must dig into it until faith comes alive on the inside of you. Let me try that again. You must hear it, you must study it, and you must dig into it until faith comes alive on the inside of you. It's not just because that's what I want. I'm believing God for a miracle. That's goofy. That is not faith. 
And why is it not faith? Because you haven't really heard anything in you yet. When it comes alive in you, then it is faith. Amen. You know, I heard about Jesus for the first time I heard about Jesus in the area of life giving. I was 19 years old. I heard about him when I was 20, when I was 21. I did nothing until I got saved at 30 years old. But yet I heard. But hearing didn't produce anything because I only heard it here. But the day I heard it here, it came alive and I did something. Amen. See, this is the idea of what coming to church is all about. It's to train our mind to think spiritual thoughts of the Word of God by the Holy Spirit. That's the idea, to come to church. Train your mind to think spiritual thoughts. Your mind will not by itself think spiritual thoughts. And what are spiritual thoughts? The Word of God. It's a spiritual thought. Amen. Here's a spiritual thought. I am one that gives, and yet I will increase all the more. I am a giver, and I will increase all the more. That's a spiritual thought, right? Jesus bore my sicknesses and my diseases. By his stripes, I was healed. That's a spiritual thought. If I was healed, I am healed. That's a spiritual thought. Amen. Now go to Matthew chapter 7. And let's read verses 24 through 27. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, slammed against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Okay? Now, this is really nothing new to us, especially living in Florida. We've all dealt with hurricanes. You may have dealt with them once, like last year. You may have dealt with them twice in the last 20 years, or you may have dealt with them three times in the last 60 years. And every one of them was a major Category 4 5 hurricane. I knew a person during Hurricane Charlie uh, that was not touched at all by the hurricane because actually they lived outside the zone of where the storm came through. They were out at the outskirts, but not really in the zone. All right, so what if that happens? Then what is my reaction? Oh, my faith. My faith kept the storm away from me. Or is our reaction, thank you, dear Jesus. You know, (laughs) see, what is our reaction to it? And the reaction that I'm talking about is not about what we say to other people. It's about what I say in myself. What do I say within myself? How do I react to these things that happens? Because the storms of life comes to every single one of us. You know, I don't know where these faith people get this stuff. I'm going to believe God and I won't have to deal with issues. I don't know where we get this stuff from. That's, that's out there in uh, La La Land. It's out there with, um, I don't know, the Wizard of Oz, somebody, but they didn't get it from the Word of God. But that's one of those things, I'm believing God, but you can't because you made that up. I mean, you come up with these expressions, oh, I'm going to believe God, but you made it up. How can you believe God for that? It's not in the Word. It tells you right there, storms come to everybody. Those that hear the Word, storms are going to come. Isn't that right? So what's the first thing we do when storms come? Well, what do you do when hurricanes come? You check the foundations of your house. Are your walls solid? Is your house protected, right? How do we prepare before the storm? I mean, you know, it's not like tornadoes. You got a 10-minute, you know, maybe advance, but we get some time knowing that there's storms in the area. So what do we do to prepare for the storm? Oh, I don't prepare for the storm because I believe God we're not going to. See, where did you get that from? Where do you get that from? God will deliver you from it, around it, or through it. 
How do we prepare for storms? We shore up our dwelling, don't we? We protect it. We make sure it's solid and it's secure. We don't just make sure our house has walls. We make sure that there's no cracks, there's no openings, there's no places for wind to get in. The windows are covered. They're not broken, right? So is it that what we have to do in our life? Don't we have to prepare for storms? Do storms come? Do we need to prepare for them? Well, it's not about securing natural things. It's about securing those things in the other world. See, how secure is your footing in the eternal? Because that's what you need to sure up to protect the natural. Amen. Hebrews 6. We were over here, I don't know, last week maybe? I don't remember. A lot has happened since last week. (laughs) Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. He says, therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of instruction about washing, laying on of hands, and resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. All right, we we looked at some of this, talked about the elementary teaching, the beginning teachings, the principles in Christ, which are the very beginning things as we begin our life in Christ. It's the very basic principles. It's like learning basic arithmetic in order to grow and understand algebra. It's getting the basics, the foundations, okay? These are important. You can go your whole Christian life and not have a good foundation and your life is never stable. But he says, leaving the elementary principles, which is an intensive word, meaning leave it behind, but not leave it and forget it. It means leave it by walking on it and building off of it. Leaving it as far as having laid a foundation. The ABCs of our life in Christ. Having laid it down, build upon it. The ABCs are the very basic, necessary building blocks of our life. And these have to be secure so that we can build upon them. If you don't build upon it, then you have a foundation, but you don't have a structure. The foundation is very basic and needed to hold up the rest of the structure. After putting down the foundation, every time Pastor Morgan puts up a house, the first thing is the foundation. After the foundation comes the building. If you drive by a lot and you see a foundation and you continually drive by and see a foundation, it's been years and you see the foundation, there's no building, what do you say? Maybe they ran out of money. Something happened. They never finished it. Because you know the foundation is not the finished product. It's only the beginning. And the same thing with the building blocks in Christ. It's only the beginning and it's a foundation. Very, very basic understanding of things. Amen. To live on the foundation without a building is actually being homeless. We don't want to be homeless Christians. We want to have a house. It's our life built upon the foundation. And he says, leaving that foundation or building upon that foundation, pressing on into maturity and being mature in Christ. So this is not about trying to live a life of perfection. I can hear Yoda say it now. Try you may, fail you will. (laughs) Why is it you won't live a a perfect life? Because you still live in this flesh of sin. That's why it continues to decay. You can paint it, you can pull it, you can tuck it, you can do all kinds of things to this thing, but it's going to continue to decay because there's sin in it and it's tied to this world. And everything in this world is what? perishable amen so he's not talking about living perfect he's talking about maturing okay you know when I first got saved as a babe in Christ I had quite a few thoughts and ideas that was totally wrong and 
I could grow up and 20 years later, I could look back at the things that I thought and go, well, that's what I always thought. That's what I always thought. I've, I've been thinking that for 20 years. Well, that's the way it's always been. That's the way mama always, that's the way papa always, that's the way it's always been. But you never grew. You've always stayed the way it was back then. I had, now I'm not talking about changing the truth of the word of God. All right. I'm talking about what goes on between our ears sometimes. You know, like I used to think, you know, I remember being in prayer about something and I thought if I lean forward and just, uh, I'm going to really be praying hard. I forgot one thing, though. There was no faith in what I was praying. <laughs> I was making a lot of noise, you know. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So it's growing. You know, I, I can't look back to those days and go, yeah, I still think the same exact way and it's exact. And, you know, I, I knew somebody that was trying to share with someone about tithing. And uh, they said, no, nope, we've never done it that way. My family's never done it that way. We were never taught that, and we don't believe in that, so we don't tithe, and you can't convince me. And they would show them in the Word what it says. And they'd say, no, can't convince me, because this is the way we've always done it. And they wouldn't change. So they stayed as the babe in Christ that they were. But what did they, even though the person showed them in the Word, what did they do? They lean to their tradition. And the tradition does what? Makes of no effect the word of God in our life. Well, you can do the same thing with healing. I know people that say Christians love Jesus, but bless God, you can't convince them that they should be healed. You can't convince them about healing. I know people that have been in church a long time and they love God, but you can't tell them about prosperity. They won't believe it. You can't tell them about speaking in tongues. You can't tell them about walking in peace. And most of the time, it is because of what Terry talked about, anticipating a command. To anticipate a command means that you have made a decision before you've heard the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, I knew what you were going to say. Mm -hmm. That's anticipating a command. You get in a lot of trouble in the military for that. It could also kill you. Yeah, so, and, and there's a lot of times just sitting in church, as things are being taught, a certain word is said, a certain action is given, an inflection is made, and all of a sudden, we've determined where it's going and what it means. And we shut down, and we figure, I know that, or I heard that, or I already know that, or based on what this means to me from 10 years ago, this is what it means to me today. And I've anticipated what was going to be said when I never really heard what was said. It goes on all the time. All the time. Did I say all the time? Yeah. All the time. Because it's part of human nature. Because the human fallen nature is very simple. and has two words that it uses all the time. I know. That's human nature. And since I know, I don't need to be told. Okay, Ephesians 4. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Ephesians 4, verses 8, 11, and 12. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping, maturing, and perfecting of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Okay? He gave gifts unto men. He gave gifts not to the person that has the gift, but he gave gifts to the people that would receive from that gift. So, for instance, God's put within me the gift of pastor and teacher. Sometimes the gift of prophet works. Sometimes evangelism has worked through the years. So, different gift things that he's given, but he didn't give it to me for me. He put them in me 
which I never asked for it. I never worked for it. Never my idea. But he's put them in me from before I was formed in my mother's womb. But he did that for you all, for those online, for those, for anybody that would we, we'd come into an area of influence. You know, we teach at ICFM. We've gone to churches around the country and around the world. That's who the gift was for. Are you with me? So it's the fivefold ministry of apostles, of prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teaching. And those gifts and the anointing on those gifts is what's given to teach for the people to take hold of. Amen. So again, the gift is not for the one with the gift. It's for the one hearing the gift. Amen. You know, even like when I study stuff, I'm like, wow, that's good. I like that. You know, it wasn't my idea. The Spirit of God just dropped some stuff on the inside, and I like it, <laughs> you know, but I didn't come up with it. So, again, you know, we're not anticipating what we hear because what we're hearing from the anointing on the gifts is a command of the Word of God. So we don't want to anticipate what we're going to hear. We want to hear what needs to be said. Amen. Amen. Uh, we've always said this many times. You don't want to miss a word in a sentence. You know, there's a big difference between run out into the street and don't run out into the street. If I miss don't, it could have different outcomes, right? So we don't want to miss a word of a sentence. We want to get the whole thing. So moving on from the basic elementary foundations of the Christian life and pressing on into mature living in Christ. And to press on means reach for it. You've got to reach for these things and stretch for these things, growing into maturity and living it in our life. Amen? Foundational, fundamental, elementary teachings, the foundation stone of our Christian life, making our life solid. If we don't have a good hold on these things, our life will not be solid. And once we get these things founded in our life, we can build our life upon this foundation. And how we build our life is dependent on the foundation that we have. So again, back in, uh, you don't really need to turn back there because we're going to be going someplace else. But again, back in Hebrews 6, the first elementary teaching he talks about is repentance from dead works. So run over to John 5, 24. Repentance from dead works. This is very important. It's a two-sided deal that we need to understand, okay? So let's look at the first side of it. John 5, 24, truly, truly, undoubtedly, undeniably, and irrevocably. That's what that means. I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death and into life. Glory to God. I'll say glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We passed out of judgment and we've come into eternal life. That means I have passed out of condemnation. I've passed out of eternal death. I've passed out of eternal separation from God. I've passed out and stepped away from my trip where I was on my way to hell. I've stepped out of that. Isn't that right? Well, how have I stepped out of that? Because I heard his word and I believed in what he said, and I believe that God sent Jesus and he raised him from the dead. Amen. So why is this so important? Because what you have to understand is you cannot make up for what you've done wrong. You cannot make up for it. You can't do enough good to make up for what you've done wrong. Trying to make up for what you did wrong was dead works. Okay. In fact, go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. You can't make up for what you've done wrong. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. All right, by grace you have been saved. So what was the grace of God? How did that work? Well, God birth a body on this earth through Mary and the word of God came and lived in that body lived on this earth 33 and a half years died on a cross 
suffered for us, went into the pit of hell, paid the price for our sin so that we could be saved and delivered. They say the mercy of God met judgment at the cross and mercy won out. Amen. So God's grace was, I love you enough to have given my son for you. All you have to do is accept him into your life and receive him as your savior and believe that he is raised from the dead for your justification. If you do that, all of your sins from your past are totally wiped away. Amen. And at that specific moment, you pass out of the judgment, pass out of condemnation, passed out of eternal death, and you came into eternal life. A brand new creature in Christ, as it tells us in 2 Corinthians 5. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Spiritually, we become brand new in Christ. So that grace was released to us and made us a new creature in Christ. So God could have just said, okay, your sins are forgiven, but he chose to wipe it all away and make you now brand new. So, you know, you could like want to talk to me about something about when I was 20 years old, you know, 25 years old. And I could say, what do you want to talk about a dead man for? Don't talk about dead men. They're dead. Leave them alone. (laughs) You know, you understand. So as far as God's concerned, all of your sins are forgiven and wiped away. There is no making up for it. There's no restitution that you have to make. Jesus took care of the whole thing. You know, now there were things that went on in my life before I got saved that if I got caught, good chance I'd have had to make either restitution or I'd have been in prison to make up for the things that I did. Because even though God might forgive you, the law may not, (laughs) you know, because there's man's law, you know, but God's law is higher. So even if man says you're judged and you have to go pay this price, I can do it knowing that I'm free in Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So why is it important to know this? Because the devil is the accuser and he always comes to point his finger at you. He wants to bring up your past and then hold it against you. He wants to tell you, you can't receive from Jesus by faith, not with the things you've done. You know, look at how you lived. How do you expect God to be good to you considering how you lived and what you did? But our foundation tells me that I have passed out of condemnation. I have passed out of judgment, out of death, out of ruin, And I've come into life. So therefore, those accusations of the devil, I could take them and shove them right back in his face again and tell him he's a liar and there's no truth in what he's saying. And I can continue on in faith knowing that I am a new creature in Christ. You say, well, okay, so... When you got saved, all of your past is wiped away. Well, what happens if you... Sin after you get saved. Well, 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. Because, you know, these are new sins. (laughs) You know, if any man is in Christ, the old things have passed away. Well, what about all the new sins? (laughs) So 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, now he's talking to believers. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess the word homologio, it means to assent and admit. Somebody said admit it and quit it. To admit what you did wrong, to come before the Lord and admit it. In other words, you're agreeing with the word of God that what you did was wrong. I agree based on the word of God, what I did was wrong. So I'm saying what God says. Here's what your word says, which is right. What I did was wrong. You have to confess it. Isn't that right? You don't need to go to your pastor and confess. Thank you. 
You don't need to admit it to people. You don't need to make some public, all right, come on up. Who wants to make confession today? No. Well, you know, the Bible says confess your sins one to another. That's okay. Keep them to yourself unless God tells you to. You need to confess it to the Lord. Now, why do I say that? Because I was brought up in a religion that you had to go behind the bamboo curtain and give all your sins out all the time, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's all your sins. Now, if you have intentionally done something wrong to somebody, you might need to admit it to them. I mean, Matthew 5, 24 says that if you have an ought against your brother, leave your offering at the altar and go make it right with them. He said, leave your offering and then go. <laughs> he did. He did. He says, leave your offering at the altar and then go make it right. <laughs> I know. So sometimes you do have to go to other people, you know, if you have intentionally done something wrong. Okay. And you have to reconcile. Right. But then there's things that you yourself, you've just done something wrong. And you just need to be before the Lord and confess it and admit it to him. Tell him I was wrong. Amen. And you need to repent, which means turn away. And he is faithful and just. Okay. So this is not making up for what you did wrong. It's just an admission of what you did wrong. Confess it so the Lord can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Not only the sins you're confessing, but even the ones you don't even realize you've, you've committed, he'll still cleanse you from all that unrighteousness. In other words, when you confess your sin, he brings you back to the day you got born again and wipes everything back out again and go, fresh start. Glory to God. Amen. Why is this so important? So the devil can't hold things against you. Even in the middle of a storm, when things are around you, surround you, and coming against you and pressuring you, the devil can't accuse you and say, hey, with things you did wrong, how do you expect God? Well, 1 John 1, 9 says, and I have confessed my sin. I admitted it to the Lord. And if you didn't admit it, you could say, thank you, devil, for reminding me because I'm coming before the Lord right now and I will confess my sin and he will wash me clean and I will go forward in this storm cleansed of all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. See, this is an important foundation because the devil wants to use these things against us. Therefore, there is no repentance taking place through works. It's only through faith, whether it be through the faith in the new birth or faith when we confess our sins. Amen. Okay. All right. Well, repentance from dead works has another aspect also. The word repentance, we know, metanoia means to change your mind. It's a change of thought and attitude to change your life, to change one's ways, okay? So when he talks about repentance from dead works, he's talking about changing the way you think about dead works. The word dead, the obvious word, of course, for dead is a corpse. But it also means that which is useless, futile, and vain. Useless, futile, and vain, okay? Repentance, change of mind, change your attitude, and change your thoughts about those useless, futile, vain works. Amen. So this is to move on from dead, useless works. Why are they dead works? Because what do we know about dead? They have no life in them. There's no life in the dead. Well, dead works have no life in them. So what's the element of life for works? Faith. Faith is what makes it living works. And it's a truth that needs to be understood and expounded on to anybody embracing Christianity or embracing the word of God. This these foundational truths must be expounded on. They have to be understood if our life is going to be solid in Christ. Amen. Ephesians 4.17 So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, talking to believers, that you, a believer, walk no longer 
just as the Gentiles also walk in the fertility of their mind. And he goes on to say it was the way we used to walk. We used to walk that way, right? right. Is anybody in here that was not a Gentile, heathen? <laughs> Talking to the right group. So this is how we had walked in the uselessness of our mind that produced useless actions. Now, when I say useless, I mean it has no eternal value. I can do something to make money or whatever, but does it have eternal value? You understand? Okay. Anything done without faith is doing useless, futile, vain works. Now, how does faith come? By hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, not by anticipating a command, but hearing, listening, focusing, paying attention, giving heed, setting our mind on the things that we need to hear so that we can have actions that proceed from the Word of God and proceed from the Holy Spirit, which are not dead works, but are living works. Directions we need to take in life. Is it something I think I should do or is it something God's directing me to do? Choices we have to make. Is it something that this choice, is this what God wants me to do or is this just what I want to do? You know, what's going on in my life? Am I examining what I'm thinking? Am I examining my decisions? Am I examining the choices I need to make? Is it coming out of my head? Is it coming out of my spirit? Where is it coming from? Who's talking to me? Amen. Amen, amen. Living works. Actions that proceed from the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Actions of faith. Because apart from faith, it's what? Sin. Or you could just say apart from faith, it's dead. It's useless. It's futile. It's vain. Will not accomplish anything. Amen. Amen. James 1.22. But prove yourselves, doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Okay? Doers of the word. These are ones that are doing the word or their actions correspond to their faith. Okay? It's corresponding actions. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. Doers of the word are doing living works. Which brings us back to Matthew 7. The storms will come. Are you a hearer only or are you a hearer and a doer? Are we, what are we build? How are we building our house for the storm? Storms are going to come. What's the preparation that we're making? What kind of protection are we building? Is our house one of the solid houses that will stand the storms in life? Corresponding actions. Prove yourself. The word prove, ginomai, it means start doing it. Begin to be, bring it into existence. Styly start it. It doesn't mean that overnight you just, boom, oh yeah, I'm going to do it. I just do whatever the word says. No, no, the word said don't lie. <laughs> oh, come on. Start it. There's got to be a beginning point. Start doing it. Begin to be and bring it into existence. How long do I have to live before I can be able to be a doer of the complete word? When you see him, you will be like him. Until then, you continue to work at it. Amen. A doer means a performer or a keeper. One that performs that which they know. You know, for instance, the word of God says, do not lie to one another. Okay, so I perform that. You could see I believe that because that's what I do. Right? I'm performing the word. 
unlike a Hollywood actor, it's the way I live even when I'm not on the public stage. See, a Hollywood actor acts certain ways on the public stage, but a bunch of them are a bunch of weasels. Okay. <laughs> you know, I've had people say things to me like, did you go see that movie with so-and-so? I go, no, he's a weasel. I won't go see his movie. <laughs> Give him a dime. <laughs> so when I'm talking about performing, I'm not talking about putting on a show or an action. It's, it's a lifestyle of performing the word, okay? It's a keeper of the word. And you can only keep what you know. If you don't know it, you can't keep it, right? So the more you know, the more you keep, the more you do the more you stand in the storm. Verse 23 and 25. Here's the two people that built their house. If anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. I'm sorry, uh, 23, 24, and 25. Thank you. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. So this explains the two people that built their house in Matthew chapter 7. Okay? The storms came, but only one stood. The one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty. Why is it called the law of liberty? Do you know why it's called the law of liberty? Because through the new birth and through 1 John 1, 9, you can live free from sin. Doesn't mean free to where you don't sin, but you can live free from the effects of sin because you can dig it up just immediately. You can come before the Lord, confess your sins, and be free from it and free from the effects of it and it not affect your life. Free from the accusations of the devil that wants to try to hold things against you. It's liberty, glory to God. Great freedom in that. It's the law of liberty. Amen. So the storms come, but this person has not been a forgetful hearer. The other one heard, but he didn't do it because he forgot what he heard. Okay, this person not only continued on in life, but he received the promises. He took hold of what the word of God said. He stood through the storm and came out the other side because he was a doer of the word. See, in order to be a doer of the word, you have to be a hearer of the word. And then you do what you hear. Isn't that right? Yeah. Amen. The doer looked intently, intently. He focused. He didn't anticipate a command. He gave himself to everything that he heard. He was not a forgetful hearer. He prepared his house for the storms and came out the other side of the storm. Because it doesn't matter whether God delivers you from it, around it, or you have to go through it. It does not matter. If you are a hearer and a doer of the word, you will stand in every situation. And God will be there to help you. Isn't that right? And that's not to say that, you know, that's not to say, well, I'm really something because I'm able to stand. No, the only reason you can stand is because you're doing the word and God watches over his word. So therefore, when you're a doer of his word, it releases heaven to work on your behalf. So you never come through a situation to go, well, my faith. No. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Repented. Repented from dead works and lived in life by faith in what we heard. And then we live it. Amen. It's building off the foundation. The first foundation, repentance from dead works, is very, very important so we can live in the law of liberty. We need to live storm ready. Storms come. In fact, in James 1, 
He says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter. And the word encounter means that suddenly, all of a sudden, without notice, without any idea of it, you have just fallen into a pit and you are now surrounded on every side by all kinds of trials and testings. That's a storm. But if you're storm ready, we'll be good. You don't wait till you fall in the pit to get ready to do something. You don't wait till the hurricane's around the corner and go, oh, maybe I should board up my house, you know. No, you get ready before time. Well, we have to do that with our life. We live storm ready. Storms come to everybody. Amen. Amen. Checking our foundations. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. 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 Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we're just going to go continue on down this road uh, through all of these foundational things and find out exactly what it is so that we can make sure our foundations are strong because we don't want to be like the city of Sardis that lived a life of neglect to the foundations. And because of living a life of neglect, the foundations started to crack, the walls started to crack, and the enemy was able to get in through these walls through the cracks in the walls and they got up in the morning and they were surrounded by the enemy in their city. The enemy didn't need a Trojan horse to infiltrate. All they needed was cracks in the wall. Amen. And crack and the walls only crack because the foundations shake. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you, Father. We honor you. We glorify you. We thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for helping us, Father, that we can take these things and like your word says, examine, examine things within us. Lord, search us, search us that we would know whether our foundations are shored up or not. Search us, Lord, so that we can know by your Holy Spirit what we need to work on, what we need to fix up, what thoughts we need to change, what something that we may have forgotten about that we need to put back into practice in our life that the foundation would be strong, the foundation would be sure, so that as we continue to work on these things, Father, that we will live our life storm-ready, so that when the enemy does come, we will not shake, we will not be scared, we will not be fear-driven, we'll not run around like uh, 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 with one foot nailed to the floor, running in circles, but we'll know what to do. Your word will rise up on the inside of us. Your word will become alive within us, that it will be in our heart, it will be in our mouth, and we will declare to the enemy that which your word says, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that your word is more than enough, more than enough, more than enough, that we can just declare the victory that Jesus has already provided. Father, we thank you for it. We bless you and thank you for that. As we come before you with our giving, we thank you for the opportunity to sow our seed. Thank you, Father, that your word is truth, that your word is never changing. And you said as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will not cease. That I am the one that sows the seed, that I am the giver, and therefore I will increase. I will receive harvest, Father, that it comes back. Every seed will produce a harvest. And we set our faith on it because you said it. And we know that it's the truth. And it's the word that cannot change. So we thank you for it as we sow this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thanks for joining us online, whether you're on podcast, live stream, whatever whatever platform you may be watching us or listening to us, thanks for being with us tonight. I do pray that the Word of God has really brought some insight to you to help you to change some things in your thinking and not allow the enemy to have access into your life 
or into your thought life that you can know the door has been shut, that you can be free from dead works, that living works is the way to go. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, you can go to our website at newlifefamilyworship.net and click on the giving link. And we thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. If there's anything that we can stand in prayer with you about, please let us know. It's an honor to stand with our partners and believe God with you for your needs to be met. Amen.